of course, being in the College of Business and deciding that I wanted to do supply chain as my emphasis, it was a very natural flow for me to go into the you know, supply chain advisory board, which has just given our students so many opportunities to speak with employers. Um, it's really broken down the barrier between you know, student and real life. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. Thank you for joining another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are excited to have two of our guests today, one who I am very close to and super excited to have Marty Parker on our podcast today. But without further ado, I'm going to let my amazing co-host do, <laughs> do the, the official do introduction. The official introduction. The official introduction. Yes, yes, yes. Do you really want to tell everybody my name? Do you want, how official do you want this to be? Here we go. Well, yes, I want to, I mean, those you of you who are official, not listening, our, our co-host, my co-host okay. is the amazing Adam Moore. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Chloe. And in today's episode, we are actually joined by Ali Stair and Marty Parker, who are both involved in the fields of supply chain and business management. Ali is currently a, a student at UGA and the vice president of UGA Supply Chain Advisory Board. Marty is a UGA alumnus who helped launch UGA Supply Chain Advisory Board and is currently an honored supply chain leader for UGA and a partner for Tech at CXO, an experienced professional services firm that provides strategy, planning, readiness, and execution business consulting services for technology and technology-enabled service companies. Welcome you two so much to the show. We're so glad to have you here. So very excited to jump into this conversation with the both of y'all and uh kind of help enlighten uh, our listeners a little bit about supply chain and supplier diversity and all the exciting things that go on behind the scenes to get you those things that maybe you don't know goes on uh, to provide those uh, uh, supplies and services that we all rely on for day-to-day operations. Yes. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. So Marty, I know we um, did the formal introductions, but tell us a little bit more about UGA supply chain practice and um, a little bit more about the advisory board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to uh, tell you about it. So I've not been in teaching my whole career. This is my fifth year of teaching. Uh, I was in industry in uh, operations and supply chain management prior to that. And I came into this to give back, you know, to give to the next mm. generation. And Allie is uh, probably uh, the person I've worked with the most as one of my students, both as a VP on our supply chain board, as an also an intern at a company I work at, at with TechCXO. So um, what we're trying to do with the board is create kind of a way for industry leaders to speak into our students mm. and to speak into our program. So... As, as far as uh, our students, it's uh, the top supply chain students uh, for internships and full-time mm-hmm. jobs. Um, and um, early companies uh, gave us feedback on how to you know, make things better. And we've added mm-hmm. curriculum, we've added programs and so forth. But uh, it, it's a living, breathing group. We've got over 30 companies now, kind of all the top Uh, supply chain companies in uh, Georgia and a couple outside of Georgia. Mm. And uh, it's just great. You know, my, my personal motto is I help students and companies grow and succeed. 
And the board is a great way to do that. Yes, it definitely is. And I want to just take a step back because I think, you know, we kind of kicked off this conversation with the assumption that everyone that listens to our podcast knows Mm -hmm. what supply chain is and supply chain management. So Marty, if you don't mind just taking a second to just kind of define what supply chain is and supply chain Mm -hmm. management, that would be really, really helpful. So it's pretty easy. It's sort of the, the transfer of goods, moving product from point A to point B, mm-hmm. uh, a physical good. But it's also all of the information that goes with that physical good from point right. A to point B. Right. Well, in reality, in a full supply chain, as we've learned with COVID, it's point A to B to C to D exactly. to E to right. F. It goes on and on. And then it finds its way back to C and then it gets lost at E. Well, you've got to have all of that information to do it as efficiently and effectively as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that involves having, um, you know, inventory available for your customers, Mm -hmm. having the ability to manufacture what you need uh, and and to do it in all kinds of shapes and sizes uh, and for all kinds of different products. Right. So, you know, Marty and I have had some conversations, you know, over the last year just Mm -hmm. around, um, you know, how supplier inclusion really plays a huge part in the supply chain and how companies should start thinking about it if they haven't already. And, And I wanted, Marty, just, you know, for you to just maybe share just a little bit of insights that you've sort of thought and gleamed from some of these conversations, because, you know, my thought and philosophy is that, you know, supply chain and supplier diversity teams should be working hand in hand, but oftentimes they're not. So um, just your overall thoughts on just what diversification looks like and the importance of it. Well, that's a, I, I could answer that for the rest of the podcast, but <laughs> the, short, the short version is the people of supply chain look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have a diverse board, for example, I had to be intentional mm-hmm. to ask for leaders that were different, that didn't mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so we we found some great leaders like you, Chloe, to to be a part of that board that, um, you know, will attract a different type of student to mm-hmm. the program. And mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, in academia, you learn that uh, uh, heterogeneous management teams through research perform at a much higher level than homogeneous management teams. Mm-hmm. So that's true, true for uh, supply chain professionals as well. The more diversity you have, the better performing team you will have. I, I think of a case I teach of a company called IDEO that does uh, design thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, IDEO will hire people of every discipline, every race, every gender, every background you could imagine, mm-hmm. age to tackle like a new product design or a new service design. Um, and so it, it's, um, it, it simply makes the company more profitable because yeah. they have um, better insights, again, on making the supply chain more efficient and more effective. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've had tons of conversations just about supply chain in general and um, the outreach that companies do or don't do in terms of making sure that their supply base is diverse and Mm -hmm. how that can lead to opening up whole new different distribution channels, opening up new markets, opening up, you know, just a, a whole breadth of just perspective that you haven't had. And, you know, I think that that's the same for just bringing on 
you know, diverse perspectives from a talent perspective as well, mm-hmm. like internal hires. Yeah. A couple other things I teach, um, like in my quality management class, it's from the perspective of the customer. And it turns out our customers now are worldwide and more diverse and more um, varied. And so we, we have to accommodate that. But I, I think your question about why the, um, the vendors sometimes are not well-matched um, because um, a lot of it has to do with how companies become siloed over time. Mm. Um, I, I remember when I first started working at a large multinational, Philip Morris, and I didn't know any better. I would just wander up and down the halls and randomly meet people in other departments, say, hey, what do you do? And um, it's a long, long story. But back then, through some of that networking, I became a diversity trainer, um, which was very odd back 30 years ago. But um, there weren't uh, people in that business that were trying to bring these disparate groups together. So the, mm-hmm. the finance people didn't know what the purchasing people were doing, who didn't know what the diversity people were doing, who didn't know what the HR people were doing. And I just, you know, I had projects to get done as a young engineer across these different places. So I just went out and found them and met them and brought them together. Um, I think um, supplier diversity is going to have to be like that. It's going to be a, a group of like-minded people that are intentionally changing the status quo mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, so companies will eventually be more profitable and more successful. Yeah. Uh, and I think so, that's the change, the change in the conversation for me is it isn't just the act of doing it, it's the act of doing it so that we can be more successful as a firm. So this is where Marty and I have some intersection didn't realize because I was a craft uh, executive uh, at the same time, the PM still owned us, um, owned us and uh, Miller, as a matter of fact. So we were, we considered ourselves the the sin capital of the world. We had tobacco, alcohol, and junk food. So, um, I, it, you know, that it's, it's very interesting that you brought up that culture because one of the things that I do remember in that also too is, do you remember the signs that said, thank you for smoking? I do, yes. Yeah, right. And all of our executives had special air conditioners in their offices to filter out the, the cigarette smoke. Um, so it was a very interesting culture all the way around. That's actually where I cut my logistics teeth also because I was in craft, craft logistics arms um, working with all of our LTL and full trucks uh, out of the different mm-hmm. production facilities. So, Well, how interesting. I took cut our crafts, Cut our teeth area, yeah. Yeah, I took Kraft's uh, supercritical fluid extraction process for decaf of Maxwell's coffee to apply. Now, there's something if you want to talk about, think about that, right? There's mounds of caffeine sitting out there for you guys to find in Florida, if I remember where the plants are correctly, because when you actually decaffeinate coffee, you wind up with the physical compound when it's all said and done. That was one of the things in logistics we were trying to figure out is how to get rid of powdered caffeine, essentially. What a small world. Yep. What a small world. And I'm sure that's what everybody came to our podcast today to hear about. (laughs) Hear about our connection. They don't want to talk to Allie. They just want to hear. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Well, no, we do want to talk to Allie because I, as you know, we talk often about how important it is to be creating this pipeline of next generation talent Mm -hmm. and how that we as sort of elders, if you will, you know, in our profession, (laughs) if you will, third of our age. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't see as much gray as Marty and I have. So, hey, 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 hey. yes, I've been in here. Um, <laughs> not quite as long as the two of you, but 20 years under my belt. So, you know, 
we think about just pipeline management and, and talent and how what we have to do in order to sort of raise up this next generation to to really look at some of the causes that are important in their industries, but also just making sure that they're prepared to, to move and to do the things that corporations need. And Ali, I mean, I know that you guys are doing some incredible work with the Supply Chain Advisory Board. Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the experience you've gained and some of the corporations that you've been able to speak with. And obviously for our listeners, our corporations who are obviously contemplating doing something similar, you know, talk to them about the advantages of it. Absolutely. So it's an interesting question for sure. I think most students don't grow up thinking that they're going to end up in the supply chain industry. It's just not on our radar as students. Um, and honestly, I didn't really know what it meant until a few years ago. But I know that we grow up learning problem solving skills, whether it's in class or it's in work. So of course, ending up at the Terry College of Business, because of my interest in business, has led me to the supply chain industry where problem-solving skills that we've learned throughout our life is so important. And of course, you know, problem-solving with diversity, with suppliers, and all different sorts of things are, um, are just definitely skills that we're learning in our education right now that can be applicable for years to come. So, of course, being at the College of Business and deciding that I wanted to do supply chain as my emphasis it was a very natural flow for me to go into the you know, supply chain advisory board, which has just given our students so many opportunities to speak with employers. Um, it's really broken down the barrier between, you know, student and real life. So having the opportunity to work with these big companies just makes it so much less intimidating going into an entry level position here, uh, you know, moving into uh, the real world. Um, you know, companies such as Home Depot and Georgia Pacific and then just these massive corporations and definitely dreams that we have to work at them is just so much more attainable by being on this board and having the chance to network with um, these employers and these, uh, of course, HR managers and supply chain professionals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so let me ask you a, a quick question then. So you went to University of Georgia for business, correct? And you're a junior? Yes. That, that's right. So what attracted you to supply chain? You said problem solving, right? Yes. But what is it about it in particular that you're like, yes, this is what I want to do after I graduate. So talk to us a little bit about kind of the why behind you wanting to go into uh, supply chain, supply chain management professionally. Of course. So, you know, getting into business in general, both of my parents are entrepreneurs and huge business people. So I think I had taken a lot of their, their skills and joy for, you know, again, the problem solving and the communication with all different kinds of people and just getting to be the behind the scenes person for what makes the world go round, which is exactly what supply chain is. Um, coming into it, of course, we had the option to go into HR or to go mm-hmm. into operations and uh, you know different industries, but supply chain really spoke to me. It really um, made me excited to have an infinite amount of possibilities when it came to figuring out what the the industry needs. As a new uh, st- entry student, is problem solving, communication, uh, getting to work on all with all different kinds of people and all different kinds of life. And again, you know, getting to work with Marty, I just get to see all the different kinds of employers that he works with. Of course, with Chloe and you know the. Uh, internship I'm working for with Simon, just all these different opportunities that he has to talk to different people is just so enticing to me. And I think to a lot of different students as well. That's excellent. So I was going to ask, I was going to ask Allie, I was going to see how well Marty did on this. So, you know, as we're talking about diversification of management teams, right, there's also Chloe and I talk a lot of times in in my specialties in supplier diversity, right? So Mm -hmm. can you talk to a little bit about what uh, new students are seeing or concepts that you're discussing about 
supplier diversity and diversification mm-hmm. of suppliers to an industry. Yeah, absolutely. So of course, you know, diversity has been a huge topic, especially within mm-hmm. UGA. Um, I'm really proud of that, actually having that be such a huge part of our curriculum. And even in Marty's class, the importance of uh, supplier diversity and quality management in general, you know, having people that come from different perspectives and have different ideas on very, very easy topics that aren't necessarily so easy sometimes, you know, having mm-hmm. different perspectives mm-hmm. coming into it, um, especially working with, uh, you know, Broadway Enterprises, which is a um, supplier for these diverse products. It's been a very cool experience getting to see that a lot of our curriculum translating to even focusing on very diverse markets and very diverse suppliers, of course, working with um, our Asian countries and getting to supply certain products. So, it's been a very, very cool experience. So then what would you say probably is the next thing supplier diversity professionals should be looking out for? What's that mm-hmm. new thing on the horizon that you guys are talking about in university right now that we, we need to be looking for or trying to find professionals like yourselves in two years that can help us guide through it? Ooh, Marty, cut. I mean, you know, with that question. <laughs> <laughs> it was a we'll great give that question. one to Marty. I was like, that's yes. such a great question. Like, what's like upcoming and emerging? Yeah. We learned anything. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I hope you like being a fifth year senior. Anyway, go ahead, Marty. (laughs) No, Ollie, you're so impressive. Plus, plus, plus. Yes, you're you're amazing. You're amazing. So, um, you know, that's an excellent question because uh, the way I teach this is supply chain is going through a disruption. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the transition from Don Draper and Mad Men and just, yeah. you know, sexually yeah. harassing people, throwing, you know, drinking some liquor, smoking some cigarettes. You said that earlier. You know, you can kind of market to one person. Uh, you, you know, it, it, it's been through this digital transformation. Well, mm-hmm. supply chain is going through that right now. Um, we, you know, we, we have um, blockchain, which is being used mm-hmm. to create um, security for information. So there's a company called Cargo X that's eliminating bills of lading for uh, companies, all the paperwork, all the sort of the um, um, contracts around that in a very secure way. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, artificial intelligence that is like Salesforce Einstein, rather than having yeah. a, a host of analysts comb through the data the AI can decide, well, where best should we send our sales reps to mm-hmm. optimize their effectiveness and their efficiency? Um, robotics, when I started looking at robots to stack pails in the paint industry, mm-hmm. a robot was one to $2 million. That same mm-hmm. robot now is five to $10,000. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's replacing... Yeah. Um, people that can get injured lifting 70 to 100 pounds mm-hmm. at a time. And it's, in, and it's doing it very efficiently and effectively. Again, um, IoT and Internet of Things. The, the example I use here is a company Cogno- called Cognosis in um, Atlanta that has a device that has a battery that lasts 100 years uh, because wow. it only records the inventory location when it moves. So we know where the truck cab is. We have no idea where the trailer is, right? So you can put this device on a trailer, know its last position and, um, and be able to go find it. So for example, in hospital environments, um, my sister's a nurse, she's always looking for equipment. It's scarce. 
You have one of the Cognosis IoT devices. You just put pop up on your phone and you go get the thing. You know exactly mm-hmm. where it is. Well, the convergence of all that technology to make us better at supply chain is anyone's guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of like, you know, if you were in the Mad Men days, it would be hard to picture where mm-hmm. you were headed today. Mm-hmm. I think today, uh, which in, of those technologies will win out and change the game? I don't know. Uh, I think they all will in some degree. And so the, the students, and I love the way Ali called it problem solving, is the, the students will have to come in with adaptive, adaptable problem solving skills mm-hmm. that move around with that technology. For example, Allie can tell you about this, but we threw implementing an ERP at her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Oh, my goodness. In this company. She had never done that before. Um, mm-hmm. And she can tell you a little bit about what that was like. And at one point, she hired with COVID, we had to hire UGA students to run a warehouse because the warehouse was emptied by COVID. And so oh, Allie wow. helped me hire all those students, train them with job aids, show them how to, impl- uh, uh, how to enter data into the ERP. Um, you know, it, it's just the ability to learn and the ability to solve problems quickly that it gave her the skills she needed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think adaptability was something I really had to learn within two weeks of joining this company and this Mm -hmm. internship. Uh, And I think that's just a huge theme within supply chain in general is how well can the company adapt? And I was very proud of how well Broadway was able to adapt to such an insane situation when your entire warehouse team goes down, you know, what do you do? Um, And I think we handled it with as much grace as we possibly can, you know, getting all of those students in here, giving them part-time jobs, getting them to work. Um, And, you know, dealing with a huge situation that I think companies across the supply chain in the United States and the world had to deal with. Um, So, yeah, it was a very interesting time getting to learn, you know, warehouse practices, making job aids, uh, you know, leading a group of warehouse members and Mm -hmm. um, even learning that ERP system, which is just a huge system where all of the inventory is being tracked. All of that being implemented at the same time of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of orders being on the backlog. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was an insane experience, but, you know, experience is the best teacher. Always is. Yes, it is. Always is. Right behind, well, they say failure. Failure can be, <laughs> you know, one of the, the best, best teaching lessons. So, yeah. Absolutely. So a question either for Marty or Allie. So as you guys are looking at supply chain and distribution and, and all the fun that goes along with that. For some of our listeners out there who are small and diverse tech firms, or maybe they're just a, a small startup trying to understand where they can fit in, what are some of the emerging technologies? We already talked about Internet of Things. Uh, we've talked about a few of those, but what are you guys seeing? Where is some help or where are some areas that maybe you're not finding a lot of diverse providers uh, for services or, or um, some of the different technologies that are needed to run these next-gen uh, warehouses? I'll, I'll take a stab at one. So the the technology used in supply chain runs the gamut from 20 to 30-year-old WMSs, you know, on Russian cosmonaut green screen. The green screen the of AS400. Yeah, green exactly. Screen. All the way through to uh, sort of SaaS-based, cloud-based mm-hmm. uh, platforms like uh, Higher Ground. Mm-hmm. And so um, how do they talk to each other? I mean... Yeah. At the end of the day, um, you know, the, some of the failures we had around the, the, the vaccine, for example, had to do with the failure to 
communicate at every step of the way. You know, mm-hmm. who, whose arm did it go into? When mm-hmm. did it go in? What refrigerator was it stored in? How did it get there? Um, you know, we don't run um, companies supply chain like like for vaccine. We don't just dump uh, you know trailers full of gasoline over the state lines and mm-hmm. hope that it gets to the to the gas stations. So the one of the um, things that I'm seeing in the startup world is sort of how do I connect that disparate um, information? So, mm-hmm. you know, look at Chloe's, for example, um, you, you've got groups that don't traditionally work together, mm-hmm. the diversity folks and the, um, the mm-hmm. supply chain and procurement, chain yep. folks, mm-hmm. the, the, the vendors themselves who don't probably have any software to speak of, um, you know, you're coming in and tying that all together in Chloe's case. Well, that's now going to be a hundred times more difficult because you have, you know, you have these electronic devices on trucks tracking where mm-hmm. they go. You have RFID, like, like in the case of the vaccines, mm-hmm. you know, going in and out of different points. Um, you, you have the data entry points mm-hmm. al- along the way. And so I think um, I'm seeing quite a few startups begin to address uh, how do I bring this data together? And, and we're just talking about supply chain, which is one of my pet peeves. I'm, I'm a C-suite executive. I work as a chief strategy officer, a chief marketing officer, a chief operating officer. And those systems have their own innovations and their own data that doesn't integrate or talk to the supply chain data. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, you know, you, you, if you are trying to do forecasting and yet you can't tie into how you're doing your marketing or your, your sales, you know, what good is it if you're, you're mm-hmm. trying to do it just from your traditional supply chain systems? I mean, I could go on and on, but I think that's a really big one. We have a ton of data. It's not well brought together. Yeah. Mm. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, I think that we oftentimes have a lot of data at our fingertips and Mm -hmm. as organizations can make more informed data-driven decisions. But if your systems aren't talking to each other, because sometimes you can have a data set and another data set and see them and very intelligent people are reviewing them, Mm -hmm. but then to see them together, it paints a completely different story. So if Mm -hmm. you don't have if your data is not being communicated, you know, across, you know, category managers, across departments, then it's very, very hard to make informed decisions around, you know, strategy and around operations and around, you know, just growth in general. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So then I guess there's an opportunity there then for the aggregation of that data, right? And a standardization of reporting as well, too. Absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a, uh, companies are doing a lot of it themselves with BI and Tableau and mm-hmm. uh, trying to write queries to, to bring it together. But, um, you know, in the older systems, it's much harder to go get that. And mm-hmm. um, I think part of it, too, is not a lot of people think about what the end decisions are right. that they're focused on. That's where strategy gets lost. So I, Allie knows this. I teach strategy in all of my classes as a lead off. Um, For example, your supply chain strategy for a commodity toilet paper is wildly different than the hair extension line that uh, Allie and I are working with. I mean, they couldn't be any different. 
Yeah. And, but the, the software and the approaches and the thinking often are exactly the same. And, and, and that's mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, you, you often need different systems, different technologies, um, depending on the type of product you, you provide. Yeah, that is definitely something that I think sometimes people just, mm-hmm. you know, blanket. This is how we're going to tackle this across all these right. different categories. And companies really need to be a little bit more thoughtful about the process. Yeah. And, and the ones that do that, that can break those silos down that we started with and sort of coordinate that are going to win. Yeah. The ones that mm-hmm. don't um, will be kind of left behind because there's no way to adopt the new technologies if, you, if you're struggling just getting your marketing and supply chain people to talk to each other, right? Right. So true. Oh, most definitely. So true. Yeah, most definitely. So again, that comes back to that, you know, heterogeneous uh, leadership team that you want to put together, right? So it's not even just, it's, it, it's not just diversity of background, but it's also diversity of experience, diversity of thought, and, you know, diversity of, of professional experience as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, all of that, uh, and I love the new way people are thinking about it, all of that leads to um, more success for the firm. Mm-hmm. So if a, if a company implements uh, higher ground and the technology around it um, and brings those more diverse uh, suppliers in, they're going to be more successful. They're going to, they're going to end up with better suppliers. They're going to end mm-hmm. up with suppliers that better match with their customer base. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're mm-hmm. going to end up with better pricing because some of those suppliers are going to have better innovations than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, just, just Allie and I have learned just, just the funniest one is, uh, you know, the hair extension business, right? Uh, I knew nothing about it. It's me and a bunch of young women uh, on these Zoom calls talking about it and things like Instagram influencers and these kinds of things. Right. um, That all is critical knowledge in terms of, you know, Allie's been involved in, um, you know, thinking about how to do e-commerce around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, the the supply chain is a part of it, but it's but it's not all of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So true. Yep. It's, it's, it's a component. And the, the biggest thing is we've all, we've got to all work together, you know, mm-hmm. as, as professional teams and figure out, you know, how can I help support your growth, which supports organizational growth and vice versa? You know, what, mm-hmm. what are you doing on your team over here? And let's figure out how we can work together and really kind of understanding and sharing the value of, of your two roles. Yeah. I think one other thing I'm seeing with the back to the internship programs is as I um, work with companies to implement internship programs, they see the value of the younger people coming in, thinking about Mm -hmm. things in a new way. Uh, I've been in businesses where, you know, the average age was 56. Um, There might be one person under the age of 30. uh, And there are a lot of industries like that. And Mm -hmm. they keep talking about how there's not, you know, a second generation or whatever, but then they, always fill roles with people with 15 years experience, right? Yep. yep. Uh, and they don't, they don't want to go through the act of uh, the work of training and mm-hmm. uh, teaching and coaching and mentoring to bring up that next generation. Um, mm. And you'll, you'll read about it like with the trucking industry, you'll read about mm-hmm. it with building products, construction industry. These are all um, filled with older people um, and they're going to have to um, attract younger people. But part of that 
is uh, the coaching, mentoring, training that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, nice. yeah, I think Go ahead, Allie. Go ahead, Allie. Oh, I was just going to say, we're really lucky uh, as a younger generation to be growing up with so much technology and so many skills mm-hmm. to you just be able to implement and to be easily taught. Of course, I don't grow up learning how to use Tableau or anything like that, but you know, I can use the skills I've learned with technology to be a very easy yeah. to train hire for a company and a very desirable candidate in regards to not having as much experience, but being able to be trained. Absolutely. That trainability is so important. And I mean, we definitely, I think the more that we start to think about it from a generational perspective, we do need the wisdom of, mm-hmm. of our senior leaders. And not to say that, you know, they aren't as innovative, but, you know, we need the innovation of our young people primarily right. because innovation just it is happening at light speed. I mean, I even think mm-hmm. about my kids and the things that they show me. I'm just like, I'm in technology. I'm building technology. And how are you more like techno- technologically yeah, advanced right. than I am? Like, <laughs> I just don't You're understand this. Yes, yeah. yes. And yeah. so I think that and what happens sometimes is just it's a, it's a shift in your thinking. So mm-hmm. companies who aren't thinking about potentially supporting, you know, the growth of, of, of young college students and getting involved right. in advisory boards where they contribute to their development. It's definitely something that they need to think about because yeah. innovation is, is really kind of happening at these, at these mm-hmm. institutions and at, at, at these, with these, um, with this younger generation. Yeah. The other thing I will tell people that um, hire interns is they can yeah. double and triple the output of the people that the interns work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge return on investment, not just with the intern himself, but, um, you know, Allie loved doing, well, she said anyway, loved doing <laughs> things that a lot of um, more seasoned professionals would have deemed mundane, boring, you know, I don't want to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have those tasks, right. um, whether it's data entry or generating reports or, uh, you know, sort of analytics or whatever it is. Um, and, um, you know, for example, Allie had to organize all of our product tables to get into the mm-hmm. ERP uh, with, with Michelle, our other intern. I mean, it is monotonous hard oh, yeah. work, but it has to be right. Right. And if, if I had a, you know, a hundred, $150,000 product manager doing that, then they're not doing um, the product management work that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing. Same with uh, a supply chain professional. Mm-hmm. So you get a, you also get kind of an acceleration effect. Um, and, and even the culture of the company begins to change mm-hmm. um, where, um, you know, younger, I'm sorry, but younger folks just are fun. They're fun to work <laughs> with. They, they, they look at things in go. a whole different way. Yeah. And again, I'm not putting down old geezers like me, but I think um, it, it breathes sort of life sure. uh, and, a, and a different kind of perspective. And Allie and Michelle will ask me questions that it's like, that is a good question. Mm-hmm. I should, good you know, question. because they're, they're just asking a lot of questions to try to understand something. Yeah. 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 And I mean, just, you know, just a plug on our more senior professionals. I've learned love, love younger students, love working with them as well. But, you know, even after having 20 years of experience, you Mm -hmm. can talk to one of these more senior executives and say, well, you know, um, their perspective is so 
I mean, not to use a play on word diverse, but it's like they've been through this in so many mm-hmm. different ways and so many different times and throughout the years that they can really help you with navigating some pitfalls and avoiding some right. of those pitfalls. Um, right. So there's there's definitely a, a place for that. We just kind of try to bridge those gaps and and try to share mm-hmm. as much learning as we can. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And the the um, supply chain professionals that have placed um, interns with love to the giving back. You know, there's that coaching, mentoring that they really mm-hmm. enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, kind of get the chance to give to the next generation. Yeah. So no, I agree. I agree. 100%. Well, we had the, um, I had the pleasure of higher ground, had the pleasure of talking to the students and talking yes. about what supplier diversity is. And we had some great conversations and it was interesting because it was all of a sudden, the light, you could see the light going off mm-hmm. in their faces because, you know, obviously taking all this supply chain um, curriculum and then figuring out, you know, oh, really understanding what supplier diversity is. And I just think that that is something that, um, you know, for any interns at any organization, whether they be in supply chain or procurement, Mm-hmm. understanding the value of and the values of your organization and understanding the value of diversity, whether it be from a talent perspective, whether it be through your supply yeah. chain, it helps us all build just our cultural competencies in general. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely something, you know, particularly for larger organizations who have formal, you know, intern programs that it should be part of the curriculum yeah. when they're there. Yeah, you did an awesome job. Um, we had had um, J.M. Huber speak before you about general diversity programs and how to implement mm-hmm. them. Um, and you, you know, your talk was sort of bringing our two worlds together, so to speak, which was um, important. I will, I will say too, that the students, I, I do one-on-one coaching. I think you know that I do mm-hmm. uh, these zoom career meetings and um, again and again, students talk to me about wanting companies that, you know, have um, high-level values. They mm-hmm. value diversity. They value sustainability. They mm-hmm. value employees. Mm-hmm. They value customers. Um, and uh, I think you know, there's a certain luxury around that that I didn't have. Uh, I wish mm-hmm. I would have 30 years ago. Yeah. I, I just needed a job to eat. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually, later in life, I got to do a job. <laughs> but these students are coming into it with that mindset, you know, and it, and it isn't that follow your passion stuff. It's more, um, you know, I can choose. I'm, a, I'm an excellent UGA student. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a choice. And these are the kinds of companies that, that, I, that I would like to work for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think that that is um, a really good thing. And, mm-hmm. and so your, your talk, I think, really opened eyes to the fact that, you know, you can make a difference in people's lives and supply chain. Now we've, we've of course seen that with COVID, right? Yes. Um, but mm-hmm. but uh, when you spoke to us, uh, that bringing diversity and diverse suppliers is not necessarily something the students would have all thought was um, something that, that they could do, but they, they really can. Yeah. Well, Marty, you're definitely putting your students ahead of the game because that's what I have to do professionally is tell other corporates about the pluses of supplier diversity and get mm-hmm. those aha moments also. So, uh, and I'm talking to, you know, seasoned professionals out there. Uh, so by going ahead and getting uh, your students uh, 
uh, interface with that and, and acclimated and exposed is a huge step forward and definitely bringing about uh, a different mindset when it comes to contracting, sourcing and supply. Yeah. Well, thanks. And I also hear, you know, you saying, Marty, that, you know, for corporations who are from an HR perspective, you know, talent recruitment, you have to make sure that, you know, as an organization that you're doing the work, you know, doing the work in the community, you know, making sure that, you know, your values are leading the way. And Mm -hmm. that's going to help you from a recruitment standpoint in terms of attracting the best talent as you continue to grow. It can't be something that's just, you know, you know, behind the scenes or just an afterthought, because you will find with this next generation of talent that they care a lot more about not only the work that you're doing, but how you show up in the communities that you're serving. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've got a bit of a, Allie knows this, a bit of a pay it forward model because I've helped students for about five years now. And so if Allie or any other student wants to talk to a student in a company, I'll, I'll have a former student there. But those former students aren't going to make stuff up. They're right. going to tell the real story. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, um, the great companies that come on campus will bring someone from HR. They'll bring a seasoned professional. And they'll mm-hmm. bring a, a younger student that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe two, three, four years out. Um, so that, um, they, you know, the students hear all of it. Uh, right. But uh, there, there better be a practice what you preach as <laughs> yes. part of it. Yes. Uh, otherwise, oh, yeah. the, the students um, see through that pretty quickly, uh, and the other students will will share it. I mean, I, and I can't mm-hmm. stop that, right? I can't tell one student you have to talk a certain way to another student. Yeah. Um, right. And so uh, I kind of know the companies that that do very well because they keep coming after my students and the, uh, and I'll, I'll pick on one um, or I'll pick on two, the Home Depot, Georgia Pacific, West Rock, mm-hmm. uh, and Central Garden and Pet. I have full confidence sending students to go interview there because uh, every student I've sent there just adores it and loves it and talks about the culture and uh, talks about what the company is doing. And then when they meet with my students on a Zoom call, they'll, they'll say all those same things. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that. It, it's um, um, it's very important that companies understand that their actions have to match their words. And that, oh, yes. at the end of the day, that's what Adam, you and Chloe are doing uh, mm-hmm. is you're taking action. Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. Yes. Thank you so much, Marty, for acknowledging that. Just trying to lead the way as best we can. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on yes, and telling definitely. us about UGA's program, but also Marty sharing just your executive experience. Mm-hmm. Ollie, you are amazing. And yes, yes. I mean, goodness, <laughs> UGA is playing, putting out some some great students. And really um, I, I'm we're excited to just see your growth and see yep. where you end up over the next two years. We will be tracking your journey. And Marty, oh, for, for, for any of the companies that are listening that might be, you know, interested in joining the advisory board, mm-hmm. um, who should they reach out to? How would they connect with you? Uh, it's very easy. Google Marty Parker UGA. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, <laughs> I'll pop up and um, you can find me very easily on LinkedIn. Um, send me a LinkedIn connection, LinkedIn message. Uh, yep. You can Google UGA Supply Chain Advisory Board and that'll take you to our website where you can uh, join from there and you can uh, see all the companies uh, that we have. 
Um, and uh, that, that's probably the easiest way. Google is our friend, right? <laughs> yes, always, definitely. Always. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you guys again so much for coming on and joining and sharing your perspectives. Thank you so much, Chloe and Adam. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Listeners, you can support both Allie and Marty on LinkedIn at Elena Stair and at Marty Parker. Thank you both again for being here today. Until next time, everyone, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.